The Six Pointer Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Six Pointer Podcast. Here with you, as always, to respond and reflect to Crystal Palace's results. Unfortunately, it's a 4 0 defeat we're reflecting on today uh, away at Manchester City at the Etihad uh, Stadium. Uh, I'm Matthew. I am the host this evening. Uh, I am joined by my brother, Luke. Hello, Matthew. How are you doing? Hello, Luke. I'm very well, thank you. And I'm also joined by Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Matt. How are you? My energy levels are right up there whilst your brothers aren't. So don't worry, mate. I will carry us again. Don't you worry. You keep, you're going to keep us going, Kev. Very good. Very, very good. <laughs> As always, don't forget you can follow Six Pointer Podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Six Pointer Podcast. Yeah, so it was 4-0. Probably reflected the game. Uh, if not, you could have been a higher scoreline. Uh, Palace started with a number of changes. Uh, so uh, Gary Cahill came back in. Uh, James McCarthy came into the centre of midfield. Uh, and Jordan Ayew came up front. And I'm probably missing another change there. But Kev... Do you think with the, the lineup we went with and the way in which we've kind of packed the midfield with Luca, McCarthy and MacArthur, we expected a different game to the one we got? Well, it was a good question, Matt. Um, yeah, I mean, we sat at our stall, didn't we? we? I think from what I saw, we had five across midfield, one up front. And in fairness, when I realised, I only found out, obviously, mostly like you guys, not that long before kickoff that Chicky hadn't gone and Wilf hadn't gone, and I thought, well, we've obviously sat, sat in, hopefully, to try and get a point. I don't think the game quite materialised mostly how we thought it would be. And, and in fairness, for, for 20, 25 minutes, we played very well. Jordan held the ball up well a few times in the first half, and it, it looked relatively positive. But, um, you know, we'll come on to the goals, I'm sure, Matt, um, at some point. And, uh, yeah, I, I think from the minute they scored, it, 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 we pretty much went downhill quite quickly, sadly. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think a slightly different game to what we thought we would get. But um, they punished us without really getting out of second gear for them, really. Yeah, yeah. I think the first twenty minutes we looked really good, and I, I was quite pleased with our performance. I thought we we you heard the shout from Ray Lewin to the hold the line, hold the line, and you could see that very rigid midfield five and the four behind it doing really well, keeping it compact and frustrating Man City into going to go back and across along their lines. But I think notably there was a Jordan Ayew opportunity where he, I don't know if it was a pass or, or he sort of, it was poor control where he should have shot it first time. And there was, op, op, there was a really good ball from Andros as well over that he sort of picked out Eze, but Eze didn't quite have that striker's instinct to make that run. Um, and I think Eze actually probably had a, a five-minute spell in that first half of, of one to forget, one where he had a, tried to challenge his inner Darren Ambrose by having a 45-yard shot, which went sailing wide over. And he had a few misplaced passes. And uh, yeah, I, I think he, he had five minutes to, to, to forget then. And then obviously at 25 minutes, we considered the first goal. And it was a, a disappointing second half, which uh, Kev hopefully can give us all the details for. <laughs> As, I will um, be able to. As, as, as Kev alluded to, actually, there were a couple of sort of regulars if you like in the sides and uh, in the side and actually two players that you probably call part of the backbone of our team in the sense of um uh, Chet Coyote at the back who's been fantastic for us as a centre half this season and you know pretty undroppable really um and then uh Zahar and and I think we missed both of them um you know Tomkins and Cahill whilst they are solid they obviously lack a bit of the the legs I guess of Coyote he's very good at bringing us out um, from the back 
and then picking it up at the other end of the pitch, we we seem to have a lack of an outlet in that in that team, which shouldn't be the case with Eze and Townsend on the wings. And I was hoping for a lot more from Eze actually yesterday. I thought it was really his chance with Wilf out of the team. And we, we, we talked about, you know, is Wilf off or is he staying? But at some point, Crystal Palace are going to have to play without Wilf and Zaha for more than a game here and there. And, and I think for, for Eze, you know, people are, you know, painting very, very strong um, picture of, of him uh, outside of Crystal Palace and indeed in Crystal Palace, inside Crystal Palace, we're already really impressed and pleased by him, aren't we? But there is something about him stepping up a little bit to, to the to the plate, if you like, on it, for want a better term. Yeah, I think you're right, Matt. I, th- I think you've called it perfectly, really. I mean, I would have liked to have seen more from him yesterday. I think, as you say, the way we set up with five in midfield, um, you know, <laughs> even if him and Andros had swapped every now and then, it would have just been nice to see some variation. But we we seemed to lack ambition yesterday. And, and I thought it was a good opportunity, as you said, for him to not step up because we've said a lot on this pod about pressure on him and not overly doing it. But there comes a point when you do need him to, to do that. And, and, you know, Jordan worked very hard in the middle, mm. but he was in the middle on his own. And you did need Eze to get up and support. And it, it just, a bit like the Arsenal, when when... When we played Arsenal on Thursday, when Eze stepped his game up and glided past players two or three times, you thought, here we go. I didn't see him glide past anyone yesterday. And I don't know if that was, you know, giving Man City too much respect or not thinking we could do it. But obviously City were excellent yesterday. They scored four goals, wonderful goals, which we'll come on to. But they weren't outstanding. They're not the man, they weren't the Man City we played a few seasons ago, you know, and they weren't at that level yesterday. So, yeah, I, I, I felt, you know, not picking on Eze. It's just that the expectation is high on him. I would have liked to have seen more yesterday from him. I yeah. see, Kev, I've seen quite a bit of criticism, actually, of the, the line-up um, today. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we're doing this 24 hours after the game. And actually, you know, it's it's helpful to have the time to reflect because we normally do the pod pretty much immediately after a game, don't we? Uh, yeah. So you get our very raw reactions, sometimes quite emotional. Uh, but actually <laughs> having 24 hours to think about it and reflect on it also gives you time to see reaction elsewhere. And I've seen quite a lot of criticism as Roy's starting 11. So question for you, Luke, is if you're Roy, what would you have gone with? What changes would you have made to that 11? Because I'm going to be blunt. I don't see any. I thought it was a very, very sensible lineup with McCarthy in the middle to sort of grapple and add some steel, if you like, to the to the midfield. Um, I thought Jordan I up front was a good choice because um, I think you said it yesterday. Um, he, he wins fouls, and mm. and when we need an outlet and we haven't got a wilf, we need someone who's going to we're going to lump the ball up to or get it up to him, and he's going to you know get clattered or whatever it might be, uh, and then we're up the pitch. There's there's release the pressure. Um, and, and, and Mitchell stayed in, walked in. I, 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 yeah. I, I, I don't see the criticism, but the only obvious change, like like you alluded to, there was was it was between Ayu and Benteke up front. Now you could argue with Benteke, you can go long, so you've got that outlet. But then again, we've seen it. How many times have we seen it, Benteke, that you dump the ball up to him and there's no one supporting him. Um, so you almost give possession away after he wins a header or, or challenges the defender. So I think the idea with Ayu to play it on the floor through the outlets, like you say, of Eze and, and, Andr- and Andros Townsend as well, to get the ball on the floor to the floor to him. And he can run and do his amazing little runs that he did a couple of times. Um, and, and he sort of draws a foul, doesn't he? And then it gives you that respite of being camped mm. in your own 18-yard line and, and just, just gives you that chance to get you further up the pitch. So I personally... Don't know what other changes you can make, but Kev, what do you think? 
No, I, I agree. I think you both called it right. I think, you know, I didn't know, obviously, until we were was going up there that Wilf was injured and I was surprised. And obviously, when you lose Chicky, as you say, he's, he's undroppable at the moment. So that is a big gap. And, and we do lose that, as you quite rightly said, Matt, that momentum of him bringing it out from the back, which gives us that outlet. I, I think the formation was right. And let's be honest, for 25 minutes, we looked OK. We were in the game. We were never really threatening them. We were absorbing them. We were doing what you would expect. Normally two banks of four, but it was a bank of four and a bank of five. We were okay. But I think what 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 Roy mostly gambled on yesterday, with the greatest respect, was, was Andros and Eze being able to break to support Jordan. And they never really, never really got up there. As, as Luke alluded to, we had one good chance where Jordan possibly could have shot, which I think we'd just gone one nil down at that point, but didn't take the shot on um, for whatever reason. And that was about the best it got for us, chances wise. We didn't really create anything more. I think, you know, the elephant in the room, which we all know, the errors, which cost us the goals. If you actually look, um, and we'll come on to it later, but the first goal they scored, yes, they've scored from the corner and everyone talks about De Bruyne's outstanding cross. But the reality of it was we lost that on our own halfway line when Jimmy Mack put a ball across the pitch, Joel Wall tried to control it on his chest or whatever, got robbed. We then got back to stop it going and it went off for a corner, but they scored mm. from the corner. And, you know, if you listen to the Sky Pundits last night, Graham Sooners and that, pretty fair what they said. You know, it's a great jump. It's a great ball in. But could our two defenders who were covering, I think it was Jimmy Mack and uh, Tyrek Mitchell, if they'd stepped that extra pace forward, would it have stopped that cross coming in? Not quite so sure, but you know, it's it's all it's all relative. But we were we were in the ascendancy and ended up giving away a corner. And that's the whole point. We were on our own halfway line and we gave away the corner which they scored from. And you've got the same analysis if you go through similar on all three of the second half goals, which we'll do bit by bit shortly. Really interesting, right? Because I I I I, I accept what you're saying, Kev, about the um about the mistake at the end of the pitch. And and you're gonna get it, aren't you, when where under the cosh, in a sense, they've got so much. I mean, like we're used to playing with little on the ball, but they have so much of the ball, it's ridiculous. And and actually interesting also was the gulf between them and Arsenal. Massive, right? And, and Man City yeah. weren't even like you said, Kev, that good. I mean, they were good, don't get me wrong, but they weren't they weren't that great. They weren't on fire. Um so, so I think it was interesting to 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 look at that. But uh, the, the, the mistake here, you know, you can't, you're going to get it, aren't you? Because you've got the ball all of a sudden. It's all, oh, wow, we've got the ball and, you know, things are going to happen. And and it's when you when you make mistakes at that end, end of the pitch, you're not then expecting the other team to go at the other end and score. But the cross for that goal, <laughs> yes. flipping heck. I mean, that, that was something it. else. I mean, Sky yeah. did something really cool where they did this computer-generated thing where they spun yeah. it around, didn't they? And, and, and the head, it's a great header as well. And I'm looking for fault in the box and I couldn't really see any. And, and you're yeah. right, it goes all the way back there. But this is the thing against those teams, against the Man Cities and others, that's where you're going to get punished. It doesn't matter if it's in your box or at the other, other end of the pitch. Unfortunately, um, they can break, they can break well. But, but, but that ball, I'm going to say again, that was such a pass. I oh, mean, what, yeah. what a cross. What is it great Gary break. Neville says? It, delicious. It was a delicious pass, right? <laughs> Yeah, it was brilliant, brilliant. And, a, and a good header as well. I mean, classic, isn't it? John Stones hasn't scored a Premier League goal for Man City, and of course he scores against Palace. <laughs> yeah. you, you can argue, I mean, in terms of obviously the first goal, you, uh, yeah, I mean, Kev, I, I get your point about Mitchell and, and Jimmy Mack potentially making one more step, but yeah, you sometimes you not we said in the pod before, sometimes you've got to sit back and say, fair enough, yeah, you know, hold your hands up. That, 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 it, that's right? an outstanding piece of technique to, to not only spot the run, but also deliver the ball by the outside of his foot to, to make that curve. It was, it was ridiculous. That, that, that was a fantastic yeah. goal. And then 
Yeah, the second goal, uh, Andros gets robbed, doesn't he? I think on the edge of the box and Gundogan is absolutely smashed it into the top corner. Third one was a good save from Vicente Guaita. Couldn't really do much in terms of where, where he put it. He's unluckily sort of put it out to the feet of John Stones who runs onto it. And I said to Kev before we came on the pod, bruv, that I, I, I wasn't convinced the fourth one was even a foul for the free kick, but great execution of it, to be fair. The, the, the second one, again, no, it was like, the second one was as good as the cross. No, no, actually, no, it wasn't as good as the cross. The second one was a, 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 was a delicious kit finish uh, to, to quote Kev there. <laughs> Ke, Ke, Kevy Neville. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's another disappointing one because Andros does, you know, I don't know what he tries to do. He tries to sort of bring it down and I don't know, do a marathon move or something. I don't know. But yeah, again, it's again, it's a, it's a silly little fault, isn't it? And again, they're gonna they're gonna cost you those ones. And it was a it was a it was a lovely finish. And again, th- they had chances as well, didn't they? Between the the second and the third, I remember De Bruyne having a good effort from uh, distance as well that went wide. And it was kind of a case of when they were going to get the next one, next one. You just hoped it wasn't sort of you know high numbers, right? Another Liverpool game because that that's where you sort of struggle to come back from a moral sense in in those ones. But yeah. I mean, do we do we expect the second half to pan out any different to, to what it did? Was it a case of just you know, damage limitation? Were we expecting a Palace comeback? I, I think for me, Matt, really, I mean, we did well to hold them to one nil at half time. Um, but I did, I did think, you know, call me naive, and I'm comfortable to accept that. That I thought we might have showed a bit of ambition because, yes, you don't want to get absolutely battered like we did against Liverpool, but show a bit of. I suppose, courage in that first, you know, do you, do you hold them for 15 minutes and then go for it? I think even if that had been the plan, you know, whichever way you look at it, we can all look at it and say, yeah, Andros should have cleared that. And if people weren't trying to play football, he mostly would have cleared it. But let's be honest, it's still outstanding execution from Gundogan to get that down, get it out of his feet and whip it round there. Because Guita's gone full length and it's still gone past him by about a yard. Um, so not a lot you can do about that. Uh, I think at 2-0, we knew the game was gone. And then it's what you do at that time. But I think what frustrates me, the third goal, yeah, you're right, John Stones, great finish. But I text uh, as we were talking, as it was going through, again, it was an error by us that gave them the corner. Luca gave the ball away. Kevin De Bruyne then attacked. And obviously Luca then got back and stopped Sterling. It goes off for the corner. They react quicker than us on the corner. Now, don't get me wrong, John Stones towels up. So, yeah, great, great effort. Uh, I can't remember who headed it. I think it was Rodri or someone heads it. Great save by Guita. And then, obviously, he's up and he's buried it. So, so it's difficult. Fourth one, again, with the greatest respect, is a Palace mistake. Guita throws the ball out, uh, which is going out to the right, gets robbed for whatever reason, doesn't make the player. And then, obviously, they attack. And then, the, whether the free kick or is or isn't, we give away the free kick. So, you know, we've engineered around downfall on all four efforts. The difference is, as you said, Matt, at this level, and no disrespect to Arsenal, um, they were on fire, City. So everything they struck, a bit like Liverpool, went in. Um, but, you know, four bad mistakes, um, you know, ordinarily you'd get away with them. Man City, one defeat in 15 or whatever it is, unbeaten in 15, you don't get away with it. Sorry, Luke, your hand's up. So I'll go to you. Yeah, I was just going to say, just just a. Point I think it's worth picking up on is that we almost prefaced our comments on this game last pod when we said this was kind of like a free hit. So therefore, your game plan is to an extent damage limitation. Look, I mean, you go up there, expect it. Walk into any game, 
hoping to win it. But when you come up against someone against Man City, it's always to an extent going to be damage limitation, especially when you concede after 25 minutes, whatever it is. So it's it's very difficult to then to turn around the game plan that was to keep it tight, to then go very expansive and, and take the game to them. A team like Man City, who will just pick you off. And it could have been, if we do go, you know, all guns blazing. And Matthew, I'm, I'm picking up your point. You said about the disappointment we've seen on social media over the last 24 hours after the game. I mean, it could be another 7-0 against Liverpool. It could be 8 or 9. If you, I think Man City were arguably better than Liverpool when we played them. Um, so I, I dread to think, you know, how many goals we could have conceded if we did go gung-ho. But um, I understand people's frustration because it's. I think it's the second game running that we haven't registered a shot on target. Um, I think it's been a, about five games this season we've, we've done that as well. I think a couple of them win the cup as well. Um but yeah, uh, frustrating. But again, look at the bigger picture of it. I think we need to understand that this was a free hit going into it. So at least we didn't ship six or seven, I guess, is, is the positive I'm trying to come out with, Kev. Yeah, I, I think, again, without getting too hung up on it, we've got to look at where we are league position, boys. I know we talk about this. We've got 23 points. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, we're 11 points above the bottom three or it might even be 12, forgive me. Um, I know West Brom got a win, but if you look at it, I think Fulham, I think they've got 11 or 12 points and we've got 12. 23. They've got 12 points. So they're 11 points behind us. That is a big gap. And then, you know, so again, I'm not looking down the table, but we've got to be realistic. We did say, I think, Matt, you raised it a few weeks ago. We've now got five or six very winnable games. Don't get me wrong, West Ham are in good form and we play them, I think, next week. On BT Sport, just for those of you who've got BT Sport, like myself, at £60 a month, whatever it is I'm paying. Um, but ultimately, you know, there you know, there are some very, very winnable games. And I think, you know, yes, we're halfway through the season. If you look at our next six games, we would have then had 25 games. We've got a very, very good chance. And let's be honest, if, if you offered us a top 10 finish, we'd bite your arm off, Right. There's no reason with our next six games why we can't be in that top 10 with how tight it is. And, and that's the reality. And that's what we've got to protect now and make sure we push on. It is disappointing, but look, we didn't have Chicky, We didn't have Wilf. And that makes it a very, very difficult place to go and get a result. I, th- I think I think it's very right, Kev, to, to put it into that context as we, we always try to do. And, and actually, I think if you look at the season as a whole so far, I'm thinking back to where we've been disappointed. The, the the Burnley game was a bit a bit disappointing. The one nil defeat away, the Newcastle one at home was very disappointing. Obviously, they scored scored late on, didn't they? But that that we were very disappointed. And I remember the the pod we did after that. We tried to keep it up to up the ante because we had Davy with us, but we were all a little quite flat uh, because of that. I think he he did a great job of getting us uh, up, even though his team had beat us two 0 actually. And the Villa one, the Villa three 0 which was the capitulation that was that was that yes. was as bad as it gets okay the Liverpool and the Man City games we've been hammered right and we've been playing off the park but apart from that I can't think of many games this season where we've come away feeling you know well that's that 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 was bad and and that's after 19 games having played we played all the big ones now haven't we really mm. um, everyone played everyone haven't we yeah and, and then again for context you know we looked at this run of games didn't we um and we said you know well you know, there's a couple of free hits, as we call them there, in there. But but some of what's to come is, again, the important stuff. So the West Ham's, 
could argue the Wolves game. We've got Newcastle again. We've got Leeds again, Burnley again, and then Brighton. So I think there, there's a, there's a run of games there again. We are expecting Palace to be more competitive and 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 pick up some more points. Yeah, I absolutely. Think, I think what we what we need to be showing is more attacking intent because I, I've just found the stats. What I alluded to earlier, I know I'd seen it somewhere. So games this season where we haven't actually registered a shot on target: Chelsea, Wolves, and Man City. And games where we've registered one shot on target was Bournemouth, all right? That was a second string in the cup, so you can kind of discount that. Uh, Everton and Brighton was one shot on the target. So I guess we need to be creating more. Is 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 will probably appease a lot of fans the fact that you know if we show a bit more attacking intent, create a few more opportunities. Now, how you go about that obviously is very difficult because we'll, we're playing in the Premier League, that arguably the best league in the world, and you know, the toughest opponents in the world. So how you go about doing that? But it's certainly in terms of people's enjoyment of watching the game, we need to be doing more attacking league. Don't you think, Kev? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, great stat there, stat. I like that. Um, but, you know, the Everton game, we watched that. And we let's be honest, we went down in the Everton game. Everton played very well at our place. And we went down to that dubious penalty on VAR um, mm. when it hit Joel Wall's hand. Um, so I'm not overly worried about that. The Brighton game, yes, I think we were very disappointing. Uh, and they scored a good a good equaliser, let's be honest, in about the 91st or second minute. If we'd won that game, we wouldn't have given a toss whether we'd had a shot or uh, an extra shot or not, really. We would have been happy um, and we would have had a few more points in the bag. So I think, as you say, let's see what Roy does over the next four or five games and, and that intent. That That's what I would like to see, the intent um, and us going for it. Yeah, yeah, we did say yes, there's a free hit. I would have loved to have gone up there with more than one up front, but we are where we are. Um, and the good news is all play Man City now and, and they are coming to the fore. And just while we're on the pod, if I may, happy birthday to Pep, 50 today. And he's, his family, I think, are in Barca or wherever it is in Spain where he is. And he's celebrating on his own. I'm sure Man City will make sure he has a good night. But 50 today, fair play to that man because he's a, he's a top coach and very respectful of uh, everyone he, he plays against. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Happy I'll shut birthday. up now. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Pep. It's, Happy birthday, Pep. It's interesting, isn't it? Because when we, when we look at the stats, actually, Palace are largely positive in the shots taken per match. So, because you love a stat, I pulled out a stat now. 10.61. 10.61, Kev. You're going to bear with me on this one. Uh, overall, it. per game. Actually, that's, that stands out a bit for Palace because we're not used to that level. Now, that, that stat, footystats.org, I've taken this from. The other interesting thing, though, when you look at it again, is that we score a goal every 78 minutes in the Premier League. Okay. Now, now that, that, that to me, sounds uh, like we're not taking our uh, 10, circa 10 um, shots on average a game. And it sounds like, actually, we are creating. We do have the attacking of 10. Is it the finishing? And then I'm starting to think, well, who's going to finish all these chances? And it's Wilf. Yeah, it, it, it's also, it's context for that stat, is it? Because that, that's 10 shots overall. So that's not 10 shots on target. So there could be 10 shots like Eze had from 45 yards a game and it'd be no good to us, I guess, to that extent, isn't it? Mm. Stat is what you make it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hanging on to the positives here. Oh my goodness. I'm loving that, Matt. I'm loving that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, it, a lot of it still revolves around Wilf, doesn't it? You know, um, I was surprised that he, well, wasn't surprised that he went with IU, but will he bring Christian back in for the West Ham game? I'd hope so, because let's be honest, um, no disrespect to Jordan, who worked very hard yesterday. Um, 
Tekez was pretty much unplayable against West Ham uh, not that long ago and should never have been sent off. We all know that. Um, so we need him back in and firing. Um, we talked about it the other night. I thought we added some good stuff to the Arsenal game, some good link-up play. Um, so it'd be good to get in there. I just want to see a bit more attacking intent. And it goes back to the emphasis on Eze. You know, and again, we, we said he's a young man. But, you know, you come, if you want to be the best, you've got to be able to shine in some of these big games. And he's got six games now, all winnable games, where he needs to really, really shine. Because you're right, there is a lot of hype around him, a lot of it justified. But ultimately, we need to see him deliver on a consistent basis, like a Jimmy Mack, who keeps doing it and keeps doing it and keeps doing it. That's what we need to see now. The West Ham game's a really big one. It's a really good test of our resolve to come off the back of a, a bad result, obviously, with the context being the opposition. But but actually, it's going to be interesting because both teams don't like the ball. So West Ham, like us, don't have a lot of possession. They're on a good run. They've beaten yep. Burnley and Everton, I think, the last two. I might be wrong there. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're similar, similar, similar sort of team to us, really, aren't they? Uh, a mix of sort of, you know, average players and a, and a few stars so it, it will be an interesting one that and I think more of a barometer and the type of sort of level uh, team we're expecting to play so that, that's you know, it's where we want to see Palace competing it's the kind of res- results yeah. we're expecting Palace to be competitive in right and certainly so, it's, it, it helps that they sold Sebastian Allaire in, in the time that we played them so he, he can't score and they won the goal against us so uh, they made a 20 million pound loss but uh, Palace will be happy that um, we haven't got to face him doing a, a bicycle kick or whatever the hell he did uh, to, to draw that game uh, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago now? Yeah, I was going to say though, Luke, to be honest with you, mate, I, if you're a West Ham fan, um, and I've got a couple of good mates who are West Ham season ticket holders, I don't know how much of a loss Allaire is to them, if I'm honest. I know he's got a great goal against us, but you know, if you compare him to a Michael Antonio or Michael Antonio, whose work rate from as a, as a visiting fan, I think is fantastic. He he frightens me more than Allaire because I think he was a bit lazy. So, but you know, let's again credit where credit's due. David Moyes has done a fantastic job with his backroom staff. He's got Alan Irving there and he, Stuart Pearce. You know, th- these guys know what they're doing, and and fair play to West Ham. They they're doing really well, and they're they're, they're up there in the, you know, with the way things are going. But the the good news is we all know two or three wins. And you can really change where you are at the moment. And, and we're in that same boat. You know, we've come off some tough games. You know, Arsenal, Man City, tough games. I've got to point out one of them. If we can go and get, you know, six or, you know, seven points out of our next nine, you would say we're right up there pushing, you know, beyond 10, 10 and onwards. And let's be honest, that's where we want to be. And, and to be honest with you, yeah, I think also of- what might... Well, sorry, bro. I was going to say what also might help is the fact that West Ham, I think, are playing West Brom tomorrow, and then they've got Donny in the Cup at the weekend um, before they play us on Tuesday at half past six. And we, we have now got another game for what another what, over mm. a week, isn't it? Next to next Tuesday, sorry. So yeah. we, we've got a chance to sort of rest some of those legs, some of those Jimmy Max. You know, Kale probably felt it after playing the first game for a while, and you know, we've got a chance to bring back. Um, hopefully, Wilf recovers from his knock that he got against Arsenal, and we should have a fully rested squad. I mean, I don't know if West Ham are going to play the kids or a reserve team against Doncaster. You assume they might put out a week signed, uh, given the fact that it's, I think, they're playing, is it the Saturday and then the Tuesday, I believe it is? Um, but yeah, but that, that only bodes well for Palace, really. You just called it, it's a six o'clock kickoff that game against West Ham. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Oh, that is horrible. It's not ideal, but if, if you were West Ham, I mean, I, again, 
you know, we talked about this the other week after the Wolves pod, uh, after the Wolves game in the cup. If you're West Ham and you're going to Doncaster, we played Doncaster away, didn't we, um, the other year when Max Meyer, one of your friends, scored uh, and we'll come on one of his rare goals before when we come on a nice link in there shortly. But if I'm West Ham, I go to Doncaster, or I don't know if it's at, uh, if it's at West Ham's place or West over Ham. there. If I'm West Ham, I want to win that game. I want to be in the fifth round of the cup because you want silverware, right? You want to have a chance. You want to have a cut run. There's no way West Ham are going anywhere near down. They're only going one way, which is upwards in the league. You know, they had a tough game last week in the cup uh, at Stockport. Made heavy work of it, but they got through. You know, they've got to be looking at that thinking, we could be in the fifth round. I don't know if they've got in the fifth round if they get through. And it's looking a very bright season for them. Um, so, you know, from that, I think people, you know, do you really believe that if they're playing on Saturday that they're going to be knackered for, for Tuesday? Surely if you're in the team and you've got ascendancy, you're feeling good about stuff. You want to be playing football. I don't know any team that's winning that it feels tired. They only start feeling really tired when it's got silly. So I don't know. I, I think West Ham will be a tough, tough game for us next week. But then, they've, as you said, they've got to play West Brom and West Brom have come off the back of a good win against Wolves at the weekend. Um, so, you know, let's wait and see. Should be good. Should we do Max Meyer? Lovely link, Kev. Lovely link. You should you should be on radio. You should be, pod, you should be on a podcast. You know what? Cast, I mate. I should, I've, I've got a face for radio, Matt, as you well know. Certainly Thanks have. for that. Thanks, mate. So uh, I was trying to think about a nice way to respond to that. I'll, I'll, I'll run out of it. You're, you're a beautiful man, Kev. Beautiful man. Um, <laughs> Inside. Max Meyer. <laughs> Max Meyer. So he did he did depart this week. Uh, I wasn't massively surprised, to be honest with you. Um, I, I have been hugely disappointed by Max Meyer. He came with a very, very big um, brand. Um, lots of hype around his signing. Um, the first few games, I remember seeing him and a few nice touches. My concern was he didn't really get stuck in. He sort of seemed to shy away from, from a tackling a bit. Um he was given enough chances. This is the seems to be the controversial bit amongst Palace fans, but I'll start us off. I feel he was given enough chance uh, in, in Palace's team. I think I saw that he played over 50 games for us. Now, you know, there's uh, going to be some appearances, lots of sub appearances in there, but I think he got enough, 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 enough of a run of games, uh, points. And the fact he's been nowhere near the bench when we've had this increased number of subs that we've had of late kind of says it all. Yeah, I, and I think the fanfare that you mentioned that he arrived to, the fact that given that weekend when they launched the shirts, they were giving everyone free shirt printing of Maya 7 on the back. So you saw a lot of that around Sellhurst. And that, and that, that only sort of leads to the expectation of, of obviously him being a fan favourite. You know, he's a poster boy, isn't he, if, if you're doing that? Yeah, likewise to you, Matthew, I, I felt that he, he always struggled to impose himself on games in the sense that he'd come on and there'd be a couple of nice little triangles or touches with Wilf down the left-hand side. But then, you know, a, a lot of Premier League footballers have, have got to learn, especially coming from foreign leagues, have got to learn to adapt to the, the Premier League. And it is a lot more physical than other leagues that we've got across Europe. And I just don't think he he he, he liked that part of the game or... or had that in him, you know, he's obviously small in stature. That doesn't necessarily mean you can't get be, be, be physical or, or make a nuisance of yourself, but he just faded in and out of a lot of games for me. Um, and I can see, you know, I sent you guys around a video of his uh, reaction to one of Roy Hodgson's uh, uh, training ground um, 
speeches or whether he was talking tactics and he just looked completely disinterested so obviously not surprised that his contract was uh was cancelled and uh, i think we'll see him in the bundesliga very soon kev from your limited sort of view of him what, what did you make of um what do you make of max yeah do you know what luke I, th- I think you both called it right you know big fanfare when he came can't deny i was quite excited i think there had been talk before he came to us and it might have been the season before when he was the poster boy over in the bundesliga that arsenal were trailing him you know, and anyone who Arsenal are trailing, you know, they've obviously done their homework on at that time. And uh, so I was quite excited and I thought, yeah, he's got a point to prove coming to Palace, you know. Um, and it just, it's never really clicked on. Like a lot of them, I think there was a lot of goodwill around him. A lot of people wanted to see him do well. But as you say, he almost faded in and out of games. I'm, I'm surprised you said that, you know, he played over 50 games in fairness. Um It just didn't influence enough games for me. And, and, and I think you, you called it spot on. The English Premiership is a real tough, tough league to adjust to. Uh, and it takes players' time. And I, I just don't think he never quite got into it. I don't know, obviously, so much about the training ground as to how he was. I, I read an article about him not that long ago, and it, it seemed as though he came over with a bit of a reputation that he was going to do this and do that. And I don't think that landed well in Germany because I don't think they like people to, who are going to say, I'm going to be the big I am. And then when they don't, you know, like us, you you almost think, well, eat a bit of humble pie. So I hope, and I mean it respectfully, I hope he goes to the Bundesliga if he goes back and where he plays and, and rebuilds his career and does a good job. You know, it's a bit like, um, you know, the chap who didn't really get a good chance for us, who then went and played for, for Leipzig, who, who was a guy with forgive Sherlock. And, and I'm delighted to see how well he's doing for him, you know. So it could be a good thing for him, but it's just a shame um, that it didn't quite work out. But you know, um, so we've talked a lot about it. There's not been loads. Um, well, you're going to quote me and say there are loads, Kev, but I don't think we've got recruitment that wrong too often in the last few years. And I'm not saying that was a wrong recruitment. It just, unfortunately, is one of those. It just didn't work. And um, it happens, yeah. unfortunately. It happens, unfortunately. Um, but, but I think it's, it's also how the club's positioned them. So, is it like I say, Mayer being a poster boy, giving the shirts. Sirlock came in. Got the number nine shirt, which which I I still think is a, is a big thing in in a in English club. Giving some of the number nine shirt, it almost says you're going to be your main man, your main striker. I mean, perhaps perhaps I'm wrong on that. Perhaps I'm thinking a bit old fashioned in that sense. But so I think when you have high profile signings like that, um, they they're picked up obviously by the fans, and and when they don't work out, um, it, it's obviously a negative thing. Whereas when you've got sort of the under the radar signings, Guaiter and Cahill, the ones that don't come into much fanfare. And they do really well. So I think, yeah, everything needs to be looked at in balance, really. But um, I think maybe that's why some of the reaction is there. And look at what Chicky's done for us, to be honest with you. Sorry, Matt, just to jump in there. I mean, hopefully Chicky will be back um, uh, for the West Ham game. Um, Fingers crossed. Um, And again, you know, we all know what the West Ham fans thought of Chicky. I don't think there's many who wanted him to go. And I think they were quite disappointed when he went. And, you know, he's been an absolute... God sends the wrong word, but he's been brilliant, hasn't he? He's been a revelation in that position. As you said, Matt, he's, he's undroppable. Um, and, and I think the point you made earlier, Matt, actually, is, is absolutely bang on. He's great at bringing that ball out at pace. Um, and that, that is something I think we missed yesterday. Yes, absolutely, Kev. So looking forward to next Tuesday's game. Hopefully Palace uh, show a, a positive reaction to yesterday's disappointing uh, result. And yeah, as we said, it'll be an interesting game with 
Uh, to be fair, probably more two evenly balanced teams. So hoping for a positive Palace reaction. Um, thanks both for joining me this evening. Good to, to mull it over and uh, reflect on on the on the result, even if it wasn't what we wanted. Don't forget, Six Pointer Podcast is on Twitter and Instagram at Six Pointer Podcast. Follow us there. Great. As always, chaps, up the Palace. Up the, up palace. the palace. The Six Pointer Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,